Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. This is episode 43 of season 5, the second to last episode of this season. But don't worry, we do have more coming. Today we talk to Che Morales, an artist, curator, and founder of Abstract, a collective that focuses on large-scale murals and art installations alongside cultural events with clients like Adidas, Nike, The Standard, and the New York City Ballet. But before all that, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, drop a review. This episode was recorded at Canal Street Market over at the Listening Party Studio, so shout out to those guys. Also, I know we only have a couple of episodes left. I want to highlight two other podcasts that I regularly put out as well. One is Beige to Brown, that's the numeral two, Beige to Brown, a pop culture podcast featuring myself and Tia Constable and Gavin Allowan, former first-gen guest. That one is way more loose, so be prepared. We're just people of color talking pop culture, very high energy. Also, Sneaker Wars Talk Back, which is a companion podcast to MTV's Sneaker Wars, currently streaming on Wild and Out's YouTube channel. I had the pleasure of pitching and creating that one with some amazing people. And Sneaker Wars Talk Back features myself and showrunner Jerome Milligan, and it's a behind-the-scenes look at MTV's Sneaker Wars. So both of those podcasts are available wherever you listen to podcasts. But getting back to today's episode of First Gen, Che and I talk about his upbringing on the West Coast in a Puerto Rican and Filipino family, what brought him to New York City in the early 2000s, where we get a nice picture of the indie art scene around that time. Also, we talk about the creative influence of Kanye West, how to artistically navigate large organizations. That's a really interesting one. Also in the studio during our session was Super Future Kid, an amazing artist who's collaborating with Che right now on the Spring Break Art Fair. And that's going to happen this upcoming weekend at the time of this episode's release. So check that out. So here we go. Our conversation with Che Morales. Oh, I hear that curtain. This is, this is a nice setup. Oh, it sounds cool. Uh, che Morales, what's up, brother? What's up, man? It's good, good to, to see you. Here. Yeah. Last time I saw you was in L.A. Yeah. Oh, you want to come up really close sorry, to the mic. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and just basically kiss the microphone. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, last time I saw you was in uh, L.A., and, uh, yeah, you invited me to your homie's um, opening over at uh, South Park, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was really awesome. I know we yeah. had a couple and of good times over there. Yeah, yeah, you were all over the place. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, we were both there for work, I think. Yeah, yeah. You and I had the amazing hat glow up day, where, oh, where yeah. we all we kept doing was scoring <laughs> free hats. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Um, yeah, that was lit. And then we got in the photo booth, and yeah, we did a bunch of crazy things. <laughs> che and Rich in the photo booth. Yeah, yeah. Good times. You gotta get a photo booth here. Yeah, you should like do something, or even just your laptop. You, like document all the people that have come through. Do people stop and watch, or they just like, no, we don't care. We're just going to go shopping. Uh, they do. Oh, yeah. They do. It's a bit of a spectacle, which I think is also kind of a nice thing if you're into the being part of the voyeuristic experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I probably shouldn't be looking that way. I'd be, like, distracted <laughs> at every, <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> oh, no, man. Like, honestly, like, soak it all in if you want. Yeah, yeah. So, Che Morales, welcome to First Generation Burden. Thank you for having me. I'm Absolutely. finally doing it. We've been talking about it for a minute now. I know. Every, to make it happen. Every time we party together, we're just like, hey, come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glad we're doing it. Um, hey, I was uh, going through and listening to some of them. Yeah, they have some really, really talented people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that you've, you've captured. It's great to hear their stories. Oh, yeah. I know. you were We were talking about YL, yeah. YL's episode. And uh, YL is amazing um, and also like super talented individual, and especially a, a, an expert in Arabic letter forms. 
Yeah, yeah. His business partner um, in 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 life and in work. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a show with. Uh, so yeah, I see him a lot. Oh, that's cool. So he cool. was like the first one. I mean, I recognize a lot of the names on the list, but it was nice to see someone I know personally. To- oh, totally. Uh, yeah, and kind of get to hear more about his his background and story and stuff, which is fascinating. Yeah, and I, I know for John. John Key for the listener um, at MTV. We we worked with him for a special project for Pride Month. And, oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, and he's just such a he has such good energy. Um, he's like a beautiful, beautiful spirit, and kind of just exudes out of his work and also his um, his professional work as well as personal work. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, he was he was so good. I want I want to collaborate with him again. Actually, yeah, he's great. I mean, yeah, see, I kind of you kind of in the same of like that. That vibrance and energy remind you remind me a lot of oh, him. Likewise, and I think it's as I get older, I try to surround myself around people that are more like that because there's a lot of people that aren't and they're the opposite. And life's too short, uh, you know, to be <laughs> wasting time with people that are negative or bringing their stuff down. They could be the most talented person in the room, right? Um, but there's more than that. I mean, uh, even Steffi and Marcos, who are in the in the room right now, um, we haven't known each other that long, but it's just once you have that energy and that positive vibes, it's so easy to work and everything just flows flows through so i try to you know um pick that first before i pick the the, the talent or whatever when right. i come to work with someone because uh that goes such a long way you know and it took me a while of, of bad experiences to learn that totally well hang on to that note because i want to pick that back up for yeah. sure because i love um the way that you curate your work as well as um all the individuals that you do surround yourself by and i think that's why you're such a great person on this podcast because this podcast seeks to um, uh, shed light onto what I feel are uh, underrepresented voices as well as provide like uh, new thoughts and uh, new influences um, in the current uh, creative landscape. And I think that you're, you're an amazing person within that space. And I think you've inspired me so much in terms of the energy that I surround myself with and also my thinking in terms of thinking really big, thinking epically and and wow, thank you yeah for sure and and you know kind of kind of really being about it and putting myself in it but that being said the way yeah, we yeah, start yeah. every episode <laughs> of this podcast is uh, uh i would love for you uh che to tell our listeners a little about a little bit about who you are and where you're from and then we can kick it off from there yeah uh, my name is che morales i am uh, of puerto rican and filipino descent uh, my mom is a full well, my mom's Puerto Rican and like a quarter Filipino, and my dad was uh, 100% Puerto Rican. Uh, they both grew up in the Bronx, and uh, their parents grew up in, in Puerto Rico. Gotcha. Um, they left New York, I want to say, around 72. I think my mom just wasn't having it. It was New York wasn't the best place back then. They had apartment broken in a bunch of times, and then uh, there was a robbery, I think, my mom had um, where somebody came and put a knife to her throat. And it, yeah, I mean, she didn't get hurt, but you know, obviously traumatic experience. Uh, so she told my dad, like, time to go. And they packed up and moved to California. I was born in Long Beach in 1980. And then not we weren't there that long. I moved to, uh, to Orange County, pretty much spent my whole life there. And then my like older part of my life from my teens, like 20s in uh, Huntington Beach, California. Yeah, so I grew up there. And then um we can kind of dive into this part later but uh around like age i want to say 24 25 i decided to move to new york gotcha which was like the best decision of my life <laughs> it's <laughs> it sounds like it because you're crushing it out here yeah can we talk a little bit a little bit about long beach and just that energy and how the long beach influence the west coast influence uh, as opposed to the New York influence because you yeah, have both of that in sure. your dna system yeah how does that affect your mindset 
currently and also just the inspirations that you pluck out of the ether yeah for sure uh long beach i wasn't there that long um i was probably too young to re remember it um but santa ana was the place where i grew up so like the mexican culture the lowrider culture uh, was huge in my upbringing and uh, cassette tapes so like these lowrider oldies and oh yeah growing up to that and then my mom coming home and hearing my mom play like r&b and salsa music uh, those are kind of songs that I heard in my upbringing. Right. Um, and Snoop. Snoop. And Snoop. And, yeah. Snoop and yeah. Dre. And then uh, even Wu Tang. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. getting the purple tape. I grew up extremely poor. Uh, so I remember recording my friend's purple tape on a clear tape and that oh being like God. a joke that I had like a clear tape and not the purple <laughs> tape. For those of you out there that don't know what a cassette tape yeah, is. Yeah. If you're not on top of that, uh, that Raekwon only built for Cuban links tip. Yeah. Oh, man, I had that purple tape, actually. And then I was looking for it a few years ago back at my parents' house. I yeah, find I mean, that was so a big deal out. to see. It was a smart uh, marketing ploy to make the cassette tape purple. Uh, I remember that recording off of my friend uh, Sergio saying back then you would record, you know, cassette tapes or songs off the radio and have these janky mixes where they, like, clicked in between songs and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was huge. Um, and then I, I we moved uh, to this city, Tustin, that was kind of small. And the high school that I was supposed to go to was like in the hood. I guess you'd call it like a hood high school. It was overflowed. Um, so they had to have this like loophole where you could go to like the rich high school, which was like two hours away if, if you wanted to. Hmm. Um, and I think that was a big thing that saved my life. So I went there and, and I befriended a lot of like wealthy kids that literally were doing stuff like this podcast set up. But back in like, you know, the 90s. Right. You know, like before probably like them editing video, making music like I didn't. They had the money to like do, oh, I want to be a director. So their dad would buy them like all this gear. Um, and I was surrounded around around that. And then also like experimental media. Yeah. Like so super talented fucking kids. Like, you know, I don't know where all of them are now, but like, yeah, just doing crazy shit. You was know? this in the era of like a post Ricky Powell type of uh, or like even a Spike Jones type of definitely era? Spike Jones era? Yeah. I mean, we were watching all that stuff. Um yeah, I'm, I'm going blank on names, but yeah, Michelle Gondry. Oh, yeah, um, like Chris Cunningham. Chris Cunningham, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. I couldn't think of the name. Um, yeah, all those did, stuff. Did you ever have that? Uh, the directors? That, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that uh, the DVD box yeah, set yeah, that yeah, was yeah. so famous at Tower Records. Yeah, 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 yeah. We would watch that, like a lot of Japanese anime. Um, yeah, and then I had this, uh, this amazing art teacher, Jeffrey Gillette. Uh, he was a dope artist. He was actually the one that came up with the concept for the Dismal Land for Banksy. Oh, really? Yeah, and then Banksy rolled the. He was involved in it. Banksy didn't steal it, but he was like art teacher from. They still teaches, I think, in high school. Um, he's someone. Yeah, that he came up with that whole concept of like painting like these like Dismal Disneyland graphics, and then Banksy saw it and and was like, oh, we should do something uh, a little bigger with that. Right. Um, that was kind of like the the era when the idea of twisting these pop culture icons became a thing putting another type of emotional intent yeah. on a character which is essentially emotionally neutered yeah 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 i mean he was a interesting or is i should say he's still alive um but he would be painting these like mansions that were like landslides it was always stuff like destructive um but he's a great guy but he had this um this uh like uh, what teacher assistant i guess that would come oh, in TA? This, like, yeah ta like this uh this mexican cat that would come in um and that guy put me on i was listening at the time to like snoop and dre and tupac and i think dmx was like starting to come out oh yeah all Dark this Man like, X. yeah all this like gangster just all gangster you know rap nothing really positive and this a ta gave me uh, a, a an album that like changed my life is a black star with most def and talib quality oh that's a great yeah album. and i was like oh my god these guys are rapping about like positive stuff and then that put me on a ruckus records which was like 
you know, uh, you know Big L and LP and of course. Uh, yeah, Company Four, all like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so then I started yeah. digging in and like finding MF Doom and like Ace, I, I always know. associate that that era with like or that record label with black, orange, and green. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, so then I started listening to that, and then also those other kids um, that I was doing like the computer stuff with. They opened me up to like Radiohead and like all these other bands, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. I, I think OK Computer came out around the time. Um, and like I said, I was oh, yeah. only listening to I was rap. in college. I think we're, I, I'm, we're basically the same age. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was. I was like towards the end, I think, of my high school. Um, but yeah, so that opened me up to like a lot of different things. That whole experience with those kids uh, opened me up to like a whole different world. I mean, one of the kids was like, his dad was like the VP of Ford. So you'd go to the house and you have a maid and you could be like, I want this type of sandwich. And they would just make it. You know, like, and then right. I grew up really poor. Like, we're lucky if we had, like, you know, we had, like, rice and beans with everything. And then I'd go, <laughs> I'd go up there and they'd have, like, you know, like a driver and all these things. So it was just surreal to, like, um, be at my home and then spend a day with these kids. I remember one girl crying at school and being really sad. And I was like, oh, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And she's like, my dad got me a red BMW instead of a black one. Oh, life like, is so wow. hard. Yeah, so like, wow. You <laughs> oh know, my like, god! I'm walking like two hours um, home every day, two hours of school, and two hours back. You know. Um, just... So what? So what is that like? And in terms of feeling a, a bit of of an other in that situation, right? Like, how does that affect your creativity and your creative mindset? And 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 d- is that something that still propels you to this day? I imagine it does. If we're talking about it, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was tough. You know, like I, you get made fun of a lot and stuff. Um, you know, because um, I didn't have what those kids had, you know, some of them were really nice and would take me on things. But, you know, looking back, even that was kind of like a charity thing. Um, yeah, it was hard. I, my creativity has always been there. I, I, I was an only child. Mm-hmm. So imagination is always there. I, yes. I would draw when I was a kid and people would say my drawings were good. So then when people say you're good at something, you want to keep doing it. Right. Um, I got really good at drawing and painting. Um, so I wanted to be an artist. In the beginning, I haven't painted and drawn so long, but um, that was something I always followed. I always was, was into art, you know, and then I came to New York for a trip when I was 11. And uh, my uncle, Sally, passed away last year. Um, was just a really intelligent dude, like really smart. He uh, he went to like Cornell and uh, Columbia and uh, he was uh, like a psychiatrist for the MTA. So mm-hmm. anytime they do like uh, anytime someone would be like addicted to drugs or, or or alcohol or something, he would he would coach them back. Um, to say they're okay and he'd be like the guy that like was there for a room for like mass layoffs but anyway I came to New York uh, first time really hanging out with him and he took me to MoMA to Guggenheim he took me to see a musical showboat like all you in saw one, showboat yeah all in one day and um, we never got in a car like that was mind-blowing to me that we walked through. how so old were you at the time like 10 or 11 10, 10 or 11 yeah. exploring with your uncle all throughout New York City yeah just having experience on top of experience yeah and then the main experience of that was that he talked to me like an adult like he talked to me about art and like he didn't dumb it down and a lot of stuff I didn't understand I just kept quiet but I was fascinated to be respected in that sense um, and then another thing I, I think that whole experience was a catalyst for my love for art. I mean, I already liked it, but he took it to like another level. Yeah. Um, and showed, then showed you what was possible. Yeah. And then there was, I think we were at the Guggenheim and there was some Van Gogh painting and I'd always like loved his work, but I've only seen it in books. It's the first time I saw one in person. And for whatever reason, this Van Gogh painting wasn't covered. You can like, um, you can, you know, like touch it. Um, so I um I did that. I was a kid. I and I went up and touched the painting. Uh, and you touched of uh, yeah, Van Gogh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what and what museum were you at? At the Guggenheim. I don't remember the painting. Um, but oh, then, sorry, Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah. So then the the security guard picked me up and like like with both hands, like I was a little toy. 
and then put me like turn me around, put me from space. Like young man, you can't touch the painting because the oils in your finger are gonna are gonna be on that forever and destroy the painting. And all I took from that was, wow, I'm a part of this painting forever. That's you know? <laughs> the best takeaway. I yeah. love that takeaway. Um, and I think that like had me more fascinated. I was like, oh wow, there's these places that you can go and you can see all this artwork. Uh, and maybe now I'm having an epiphany why I'm so fascinated to always go <laughs> and see more artwork. But um, yeah. yeah, that was I, that really stuck with me. And New York stuck with me. And it was always a place like this fantasy land that I always wanted to come back to. Yeah. I never thought in a million years that I would live here because California, you know, it's hard to just pick up your life and like, you know, move Absolutely. To somewhere else. You know, yeah, it's I've very done it, challenging. Yeah. yeah, it's very challenging. Um, and that was something I always wanted to do. And uh, 10 years later, or you know, like 12, 10, 10 or 12 years later, I did. So around the time that you moved, like I'm trying to imagine what was happening between uh, within that uh, creative scene. Like, were you part of that uh, that juxtapose high fructose, uh, beautiful losers era of like California? As a fan, as a fan, <laughs> yeah, of course, as a right? fan for yeah, sure. Because yeah. I remember I was a fan, yeah, and uh, just being super obsessed with that with that time and place, and and feeling like that was an element of approachability. For my own creativity, I was like, oh, that's something that I can, uh, from an illustrative perspective as well, I know my mind could go to those places. For sure. And then I could actually feel like I could execute within that space. For sure. And then that opened up mental doors for me. Was that something similar for you? I think so. I think it was still more of like an outsider looking in. I never thought like, oh, I can do. Because it's a scene too. It's a scene too. And I was in Orange County. I was about like an hour away from like where like all the action was happening. I mean, I'd go. And you see stuff and you get to go an event here, there. But once again, it was kind of like, I'll say there wasn't no internet. There wasn't no Instagram. I mean, there was the internet, but it wasn't right. what it is now. You know, there's no YouTube. Right. There was no like, yeah, it's kind of weird. There's no Facebook. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like, I don't even know how you, I'm thinking about like, how would I find out about these things? Yeah. Uh, right. that, that is kind of interesting. Like, yeah. how did one even find out? I remember. Like, word of mouth or like someone's older brother or, yeah. you know, like. It was like flyer culture. Yeah, you'd flyers, get Flyers, VHS tapes. It was yeah. like skate videos and uh, like b-boy videos for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, VHS tapes, you'd be surprised how many skating tapes got around and stuff. You know, people, people, well, it's almost like the, the Wu-Tang tape earlier. People would record oh, it. Oh, yeah. Record. You'd get this grainy copy of something that, you know, oh, yeah. somebody got at like a concert or a show. Remember the first Zoo York mixtape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's still on Vimeo <laughs> now. It's so good. Is still. it really? Yeah, it's only like 45 minutes long. I encourage oh, all the listeners that. to check yeah. out that first Zoo York tape. Um, Yeah, so like, you know, I was doing stuff. There was like DIY stuff, but it was never, it was always like a hobby. It was always like a, a side thing. Um, it was never something attainable. And then I came back to New York again, and I started seeing people like on the street uh, selling paintings, selling clothing, selling just stuff. And and it was fascinating because a lot of people I would talk to were just not good at selling or talking and stuff. And that was something I, I was just naturally good at. I can start a conversation with people. And right. um, I was like, man, I could come out here and do this. And like very naively thinking, thinking that. And I think that started the idea i like no rhyme or reason just like oh i could come to new york and i can these people can set up shop out here outside in new york yeah and i and I, oh i had met a girl actually that was screen printing these shirts um and then she had invited me to some like brooklyn thing this is back when like you know williamsburg wasn't much sure and then through her i was like wow this is cool like you know i just met what her year the, was that do you think man um like probably like definitely after 9 11 Ah, so like, gotcha. Yeah, so probably like maybe 2003, 2004. Oh, that's, you know, that's, I grew up in Jersey. Yeah. That's also the time when I first really discovered Williamsburg. Yeah. Because then at the time, a good friend of mine, shout out to Sean Pantaleon, he 
he would take me around because he was a big sneakerhead too. Yeah. And then I remember him copying the the Supreme Dunks. Like it was like a drug deal in Queens where he would go to <laughs> his boy's house. His boy worked at Supreme. And then we'd wait in the car. He'd bring the boxes down. And then he'd just give him $400. I was like, yo, this is wild. Wow. And then and then I remember we the first real show I attended in Williamsburg at the time was a neck face show. Oh, cool. And then neck face was in this big uh, wooden cylinder and then you would pass the book through a slot so we could sign it it was like performance art <laughs> plus the art and and i had just graduated undergrad and i hadn't gone for for art or anything or anything creative yeah, yeah yeah and i was uh yeah i was just fascinated at the idea of of um, you know your your personal uber and your personal persona as well as like the execution and and the, the public display of it all is so interesting yeah, I mean, back then, and even when I, I think I came in like 2008, even then Williamsburg was still pretty raw. It was. And it's great to get you know, like uh, 285 Kent, and I'm trying to think of some of these other places, but we're just so raw. And like you'd go and see like, I mean, I remember seeing like ASAP Rocket 285 Kent, and then you go to the bar and they have like pop off and like that vodka like and like one other thing. Like, you know, it was like very right. ghetto. Like you'd get like a $3 like plastic cup not even like the red cups the little like exactly. white, like what clear ones it's like a creative pub crawl yeah and then like the bathroom was like you know you gotta have someone stand in front of the door <laughs> like you know if you're like i can't imagine being like a woman going to the bathroom in these places exactly um and it was just felt like the place was gonna fall apart you know like it was like so so raw but right. uh there was a lot of that and it was it was exciting to be around so yeah i met that girl and then she showed me and then i think that started the bug of like oh man you can come out here and just do whatever i wasn't even thinking of like in the sense of like making a lot of money or being famous or being just like, man, just enough to live, like just be doing something that I'm happy doing. Yeah. You know, and, and that's people like, you know, they, it wasn't like they were living this luxury lifestyle, but they were comfortable and they were doing their own thing. And I was fascinated by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then around that time, I think I was like 25, 26, I'd gotten out of a long relationship. Ironically, my lease was up <laughs> at the same time. There you go. Um, and I was and I had reconnected with some of my dad's side of the family. And uh, my aunt had a house in Poughkeepsie and she's like, you can come live here for a little bit while you get on your feet. And uh, I did that for like six months. I'm picked up, you know, I sold all my shit, sold my car, everything. And then I lived in Poughkeepsie for like six months, like saved some money, got like a job at the Gap or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Do, do you feel that uh, that life reset? Because it sounds like you you did that a couple times with the actual move and also an instance yeah. like that. Th is that something that's important for you in terms of staying fresh as well as uh, mentally, physically resetting your life? Is that something you feel you do often? I don't know about like resetting my whole life, but I think you definitely make changes. I, I know like a couple years ago, I edited people out of my life because for whatever reason, you know, they weren't they would just complain about their situation or they were just only going to bars all day or or they just smoke weed all day or they were like nothing, you know, Oh, nothing's happening for me. And I'm like, well, dude, you sleep until two and you know, <laughs> you go yeah. to happy hour and they, it's like, you know, and that energy, you know, it, you can know these people for like your whole life and you're like, Oh, but that's my best friend. That's who he is. And it's like, yeah, but that energy affects you, you know, yes. and there comes a point where you have to edit, you have to edit people out, out of your life, you know? And I, um, I was dating someone kind of negative like that for two years. And once I was able to end that, which was something that was really hard to do, I was like, if I could do that, then I can edit other people out. And it was just kind of removing these people that were like bad habits. I don't know how to say that without sounding. Oh, that's interesting. The yeah. idea of removing people as a bad habit. Yeah, I people don't think that I don't think that's a bad thing. I think actually that's a big, that's important to address in terms of the modern thought of mental health and also yeah, what that means. For sure, man. For sure. Because you take on those things, you know, like 
you care, I generally care about these people. And I'm not saying some of them are still in my life, but just a little more distant. Yeah. Because um, you take on all that 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 energy and those problems. And, you know, if someone, you know, is constantly having these things and you're looking at this like, wait, these are easy problems to fix. You've done this same thing. You know, you're, you're failing at work because you're drunk all night, you know, drinking all night. And that's why you're late to work. And that's why your boss is complaining. Not because your boss is a dick. <laughs> it's because right. you probably smell like alcohol, you know, like. Uh, stuff like that, like, uh, uh, you know, and these people, you kind of have to be like, okay, they're not going to change. I need to, I need to make the change. Yeah. Um, because that's important. And like we said earlier, surrounding yourself with people that are positive, people that are doing the things you might want to do, um, you know, so that you, you're, you're driven. You know, I've, I've been blessed to have some really uh, ridiculously talented people that I didn't even think would be, I would meet, let alone be my, my friends, you know, right. or be like, or, or even collaborate with at this point, you know. And um, you see these people and you're so driven, you leave even just hanging out with them. You're like, oh, man, I got to do that. I got to wake up an hour earlier. I got to, you know, I got to like, you know, stay yeah. an hour later. I got to be more driven. Um, I think that's important to surround yourself like around those kind of people. Yeah, because going back to the whole habits thought, too, like when you experience people that you are uh, where you're invigorated by their energy, uh, you develop you start to develop new habits you start to take on other attributes and yes. uh, i mean i always think of my life and my persona as a concept car even if the concept I car yeah something that that's a, a bit feature thinking but isn't necessarily a, a solid product yet yeah but there are attributes that i would like to affirm within my life and also bring into my life uh even, even if i'm not actually doing them you know i might be thinking about 10 things i, I might want to try to do if i do three or four of those things and i'm slowly getting closer and then the car is just going to change over time anyway it might not that's live true. in the market you know that's true yeah that's true no it's a good point i mean we're always evolving i think i'll be on my deathbed still learning things you know like you're never gonna i think the done. best ones are yeah you're never gonna you're never gonna not know i think that's a promise a lot of people out there are like oh i know everything i don't need you know and that's like something you always uh, you learn, you know, like later in life, you know, it's a, what's that saying? It's sad that the like the youth is wasted on the young, um, you know, that's I that. Know. Yeah, that's Ugh. that thing. Like I look it's back, terrible. I'm like, oh, man, my mom was right. You know, <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's those kind of things. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I started doing that. I, don't, I wouldn't say I reset my life. I think the biggest reset was New York. And then maybe there was a second reset after that. I, I had met a girl and um you know we moved into each other like right away maybe my second year here in new york and then i just wasn't doing any of the things i was i wanted to do you know when i came out here um i it was a you know great relationship and um you know she wanted to get married and have kids and all these things but that's what that's not what i wanted that wasn't just wasn't in the cards yeah it wasn't in the cards for me and i think i told you the story about this kanye concert um but i went to go see uh, what era kanye was jesus yeah i'm a huge i'm a huge well i don't know about anymore i'm kind of falling off but i'm a huge kanye west fan i i owe a lot to kanye because he really like I don't know. Like it's hard to of, align with his ideological values. Yeah. Currently, although when I saw uh, the Yeezy Croc what, that he when he oh, came on with yeah. uh, Travis, I was like, oh shit! Uh, I kind of like I just that. read. I just read today. Um, it's gonna be made out like green algae or something. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And then he's building a ranch. And it's interesting. Yeah. Um, piece of engineering, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, he's a, he's a smart you know, guy. He's a genius. But I I feel like after his mom passed away, it just kind of he kind of lost. You know, he's got it's hard. You know, being at that level and you a lot of yes people around you. But yes, uh, but yeah, no, oops, I could go I mean, on and maybe. <laughs> yeah, I could go. I could go on and on about Kanye. But uh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I I I, I remember episode. seeing Kanye the first time I saw Kanye West. He opened for Usher, and uh, his college dropout wasn't even out yet. So like through the wire, I remember listening through the wire on the radio. They're like, oh, "I got this new song by Kanye," and we had no idea. We were going for Usher, 
We had no idea who Kanye was. What other was than, the Usher album? Was it You Remind Me? Maybe, or, yeah. Because or... looking back, all I remember is Kanye. Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you know, I remember Usher like having huge stairs, and he did this really cool thing where he ran up the stairs, and then when he got to the final stair, he jumped in there, did a flip, and landed on one hand. Ugh. So that blew my Usher's mind. Usher's so dope. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk for a hot second about Usher? Because I love Usher, and me and Allie talk about Usher all the time in our house. Oh, did I you see the movie Hustlers? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's the best. Yeah, they're alert, like he's here. Yeah, the <laughs> best Usher cameo I've ever seen. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Anything. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And he looks exactly the same. He's oh, immortal. I got to hear Ali talk about Usher. That could be a whole podcast. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so we go there. My friends, uh, we were like selling concert tickets at the time, and his aunt would get these tickets from Vegas, and then we would like sell extras, and I would sell concerts. I'm always always had some type of side hustle. So I'd buy like a bunch of like. Mariah Carey tickets for like a hundred bucks and then flip them for like 300 bucks or oh, something. Oh damn, you're one of those guys. Yeah, I was doing that pre a lot. Pre-StubHub. Yeah, yeah, I was pre-StubHub and it was like, I just knew all the tricks, you know, there's no apps back then or anything. Um, oh, or that, go that actually show, tells me so much about you as a person because <laughs> you were living, you were able to do that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to sell candy at school. I remember like when Titanic came out, I made copies of Titanic. I sold VHS tapes. I always had some like side hustle to like to make extra money because I was poor as fuck. That's amazing. Um, Excuse me, I don't have a lot of curse. So, yeah. Oh no, you can curse, no. <laughs> um, you can you can curse up a storm. There you go. Um, so yeah, so where where? Oh yeah, so go see this Usher concert, and this guy comes out. Rick James had just died, so you can get the date like there. I don't Got know. It. I think he died like two days before because they they played Rick James song before he opened. Oh, um, like 05, 06, maybe I yeah. Think. Um, and then um, Kanye came out. He's like, I'm Kanye West. I have an album coming out next week called College Dropout. Um, I don't have a band. I'm going to have this, uh, this like hip hop violinist play. And my friend John is going to play. Oh God, uh, all the memories are just flooding. Yeah, it's in crazy. Right yeah. He's like, my friend John is going to play all the beats on the piano. I promise. John one, Legend. Yeah. He's like, I'll promise one day he'll be signed. Um, yeah. And it was, it was John Legend. I can't remember the girl with the violinist, but she's like curly hair. Yes. I, like I super, remember yeah, super, her image is burned into my brain. Yeah. She was like everywhere at the time. I'm going to look it up. Um, yeah. So then they performed the college dropout. And that was the first time I heard it. Um, that's pretty cool. And then we saw him like at a at, like House of Blues, maybe like 200 people. I've seen Kanye West, I would say about like 23 or 25 times live. And then if you count the Watch the Throne, that's an additional three times. I went to that concert three times. Um, Miri Ben-Ari. There you go. Yeah. yeah. She was everywhere at that time. So yeah, so that was, I don't know, it was just positive. And he talked about growing up also not having money and stuff. Um, I still listen when I do installs. I blast like First three Kanye albums, it drive everyone crazy. So I put headphones on. So like, oh my God, more Kanye. Um, but I get I get motivated by those old songs, you know, because um, yeah. you know, I feel like you can do anything. You really can do anything, man, if you put your mind to it. I know people say that, but it's you really can if you. When Eight Oh Eights and Heartbreak came out, what was your thoughts on that? I thought it was great. I remember seeing it on the VMAs um, when they did the whole drum thing, like the yeah, yeah. And I remember like, uh, um, did that change your perception? Because yeah. I know for me, like the the audio experience of that, it was so different from what I had heard that uh, I, I remember thinking, oh, this is, do I like this? Do I not like this? I'm, yeah. I'm unclear on my first initial listen. Yeah. And then it became, you know, it kind of became everything for me for a little bit. I think I was, I was big music head back then. And I remember like when Radiohead made Kid A and people going, oh, this doesn't sound like the Benz or OK mm -hmm. Computer very different and i i kind of like that when people take chances yeah uh, even if it fails i think it's 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 important to take chances i right. remember um tom york saying like oh you know if we just go out there and play creep all the time we're not like a human jukebox you know we need yeah. to keep, 
moving um or even I, or even jay jay-z you know it's like you, you go go by the old album you know like right you know, go, um i will say though for artistically speaking i think that the Radiohead and connie's of the world they show their power by bringing their audience through their pivots and the audience is willing to be flexible to pivot with mm, them mm, but yeah. i don't think jay-z's audience has been so flexible with him i no. think we've been flexible or we've admired his business acumen and his persona but his persona is still very locked in Jay-Z. Yeah. He's kind of set in stone a bit. And also I think the difference... I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think, think the difference there too is Kanye and Radiohead are making their own, all the music from front to back. Yes. Like, where Jay-Z is using producers. Yes. But then it's kind of hard because it's not like an internal thing. Right. It, it the is producer, more of a persona. Yeah, the producer is coming to him with a beat and then they're relating where Kanye is organically creating the whole experience from right. front to back as, as Radiohead is being a band. Yes. Uh, so that's a little different. Um, what do you think about the whole Sunday service situation? I think Apart from the I, political situation. I think it's more of a tax thing. I think he's trying to um, create, organically create a church. Uh, right. There's this funny meme where there, uh, it's like he's going into Trump's office and he's like, um, oh, I can't. Kim says I can't hang out with you anymore because... Uh, <laughs> because um, you're bad for the for the business, and Trump's like, "Oh, go start a church. Like you, he can save you lots of tax, something like that." Oh and then gosh. comes that back. Then this was meme was made before Coachella, right? So it's kind of funny to see. <laughs> my take on it was, and I'd be curious to know what you think. My take on it is, aside from the politics of it, is that he's a bit like a, a comedian in the sense where he just has to go up on stage and do his thing with stakes yeah. for a little bit of time for him to mentally and physically commit into his art. So yeah. Sunday service was, I'm sure on some level, uh, a, a need for him to, to make art in front of others and test his, his thoughts and feelings musically in front of people so that he could like really zone in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and I'm sure that there were financial, um, elements to it as well as like uh, you know like the the pros and cons of for sure of, for sure doing i mean i'm hoping that, that he really did you know find find you know god and that he's right. sharing that message i saw videos of him today in in prisons uh, doing sunday service right i think that's beautiful I'm neither here nor there or on the content either no think. for sure like i mean you know this uh, it's cool that he got kenny g and the clips back together and you know like yeah that i mean that's cool you know like there's push it he's still been killing it but i was like yo well i mean his brother i back. forgot the brother's name but i know he, me too he, he became very religious and yes, didn't he want did. to wrap this so it fits in the context but he went the mace route but yeah i haven't i haven't dived that much into that album to i you know correctly comment on it and sure, then with sure, all the connections yeah. to you know religion and stuff it's kind of a touchy subject yeah um but yeah I'm, i've always been a kanye fan i feel like i owe we should we should just comment on it without knowing anything yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's going to play well back on the replay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kanye was someone that like, um, I guess I relate to in the sense of this guy coming from nowhere and, and making a lot out of, yes. out of nothing. Um, so, you know, that kind of attached uh, to me in like another way. Uh, how, how does that manifest? How did that manifest itself into your current track? Cause right oh, now. Oh yeah. So I was saying, yeah. yeah so I, you're I go the creative to the, director of abstracts. You're killing yeah, it. And, thank you. and I've experienced so many of your experiences that you've created or oh, you've helped you. create and curate. Yeah. Um, and it's a whole oeuvre like how does that how does that translate yeah no i went track? to that concert i wasn't really doing any of the stuff you just mentioned and um he was i had seen it four times i think that was the fourth time and every time runaway would start like clockwork he would 
stop the music and do a rant that the first time looked like he was just organically ranting. Yeah. But by the third concert, it was clearly a planned, scheduled thing. Oh, oh just, the planned rant. Yeah, it was like oh, a ten. But during they were, the beautiful they were, dark twisted fantasy yeah, era. They they were different. This is Yeezus album. Oh, this is yeah, Yeezus. Yeah. Uh, when Runaway was on. Runaway was he's performing it. Oh, he's performing. No, I'm sorry. Runaway. Yeah, not on the album. He's performing Runaway. You know, I, I don't know if he went to that concert, but he had this huge spectacle, like this giant mountain and. Beautiful costumes and it was, it was a beautiful show. Gotcha. Um, no, I didn't go to any of these. Shows. Oh man, I, I've been to every one, every Kanye concert except for the um, the last one, the St. Pablo. I had tickets and then he had canceled the tour. Oh yes, of and course. Then, so my record is now. Gotcha. <laughs> it's now done. Um, <laughs> nah, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I go to the concert and this rant specifically, and not, not verbatim, I, I don't know, but he was talking about chasing your dreams and doing something one hour each day that relates to your dreams. And he used himself as an example. He kept saying singing, but he was kind of using himself as an example. He's like, when I was at the Gap, I would I would sing while I was folding shirts. I would rap while I was folding shirts. And he's like, you got if you're a singer, you got to do something singing, like sing, related to singing every, every day. Like go out and uh, sing in the streets and, you know, sing, uh, sing in subway stations, sing at work. And if they send you home, go home, and write a song about it. Go on Craigslist and join five shitty bands and just play, <laughs> play with them. Go to open mics and sign up and play yeah. these songs that you sung in your office. He's like, just do something every day that relates to your dreams. So you don't remember. I mean, so you don't forget that, that you're this singer and not just the person at the gap. Yeah. Um, and I was, I wasn't doing anything art related. And I don't think I listened to the second half of that concert. I was just like, I'm in this relationship. Um, I'm not doing anything I came out here for. I've been here five years now and I don't even know where to go. I don't I don't know, you know, anything like I'm not in the scene at all. Like, um, and that really hit me. It really struck me. And I had met this artist at a house party for the July party. He was super talented. He went on to go have a bunch of like children's books out. Um, and he, t he took me to Chelsea and just showed me a bunch of like, galleries and stuff and i'd been there before with friends but i guess they didn't take it in the extent of like these gallery districts um and i just started googling like all the stuff that i'd missed in the last five years and yeah. it was like people like that i really like admired and you know all these uh people, and it's free it's, it's literally free. just there people for that you. yeah people that like passed away i could admit like i don't know it was just like i was like man i fucking wasted all this time right. <laughs> like i could have been doing this stuff and then i did that I, I i made sure that i went every thursday to openings um it could be like i remember one time it was like a blizzard outside and i went i remember walking to the gallery and they were like all like clapping they're like you're the only person that came tonight <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like i it didn't matter like I, rain whatever it didn't matter people went with me i would go to every gallery and you know i made some really good friendships a lot of people some people that were answering the phones five years ago are like directors of galleries now you know like yeah um and i would just go and then i would meet like an artist, I would look at the art and if I like something in the art, I would go up to the artist and like 90% of the time, they're really nice, you know? And they're also not from New York, so it's the one time you get to meet these people. And I would just ask them questions, you know? Like I remember Robin France Williams had a show a while back and she had all these like pastel paintings and there was these like bright neon like streaks, you know, like it'd be like in hot pink or whatever. And I'm like, what's that about? Like, where are you, you know, where are these random kinds? She's like, oh, when I was a little girl, I would recreate Lisa Frank books. And now I'm a successful artist. So that's me paying homage wow. to the little me. And I'm like, nobody would have ever known that. Like you could have a like, you know, a Lisa a, Frank reference. Yeah. That's you amazing. know, so like I was learning all these like random things from people. Some people were really big. I remember having like a 30 minute conversation with Jeff Koons, like, you know, just like just I was just learning a lot, you know, and um, I, I kept doing that. And then from that, that kind of grew. And then Do you find that with a lot of artists, I find that the most forthgiving artists, they'll just drop bombs on you. But then 
they will occasionally just forget that they ever talked to you down the line. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like that's so interesting because oh, yeah. like there is an intense interaction, intense moment of connection Yeah, and then it immediately dissipates. But then I, for me, I actually like kind of like those relationships because yeah. I like the idea of having that experience, sharing it no, and then not sure. having responsibility to continue it. after. No, for sure. With that movie with uh, Bill Murray and, um, Scar Johansson, Lost in Translation. Yes. That whole movie's about two people having this intense moment for, and then they'll never see each other again. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, that's a little bit grander scale, but yeah, that happens all valid. the time. Yeah, it does. yeah that happens Especially all the in that time. World. Yeah, for sure. And I forget people, you know, all the time. You meet them for like two seconds. It's like, or so do I. I forget it's people. It's hard. All yeah, the time. it's harder for, you know, and I feel bad. And then people, and vice versa, people forget me, you know. Uh, but I don't take that personal. Like, if you're meeting so many people, especially in those, in those instances where there's so many people around too, yes. it's just kind of, it's kind of hard to take it all in. It is. Um, and but, you're just, you're just really, it's kind of a great moment to catch an artist too, because they're willing to talk and speak and spout and, and speak truth. For the most part. Yeah. yeah. For the most part. Yeah. And it's exciting. Um, yeah. And I was doing that and then I would write these like long rants on my Instagram with like all five followers I had and just about <laughs> like whatever, like that, that Robin Prince William thing or whatever. And then a couple of people in galleries would be like, Oh man, I really like what you wrote. Um, thing and that's dope. I did that for maybe like two years, and then I, um, uh, you know, I was just kind of going to the art scene, not really still doing anything, just like seeing a million shows. And then I started dating this girl whose brother had a screen printing shop in Sunset Park, beautiful shop. It was just renovated, but he didn't have like his own clothing line or anything. He's just screen printing for other people. So it was an empty shop with a rack of samples. Um, and I would see him every time like I'd come over because the shop was below where they lived. Um, and we just talked and I must have talked about art a lot because one day he was like, oh, you should have an art show here. Um, and he didn't have to tell me twice. Like, yeah. you know, like, you know, so then I, I hit up that kid uh, that, you know, that had the books come out and um, he introduced me to some other people. And then I was putting on these shows there. And then we had like a like a clothing line. Uh, we were doing like two shirts because he had all these machines, you know, that um, we could screen print shirts with. So we were doing like two shirts that related to the show. So if the show was about, I don't know, something random like cats or whatever, like, yeah, uh, we never did that, but I'm not know why I think of that topic. But like I say, it was about like cats. Um, one shirt would be like a cat painting and the other shirt would be like a cat in New York or Brooklyn because we were giving art back to the community of Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, but we had some really cool ones. We did this one uh, where this guy did like a, like a retro theme and we had like this Biggie Smalls t-shirt where uh, he was holding a, a Super Nintendo controller and a, a Sega Genesis controller. And then underneath it said, when I was dead broke, I couldn't picture this. Uh, <laughs> like this, this, this thing flew off the shelf. And then yeah. I, I had like a contract with them where I would like lease the, the artwork for like a month and we'd only make like 30 of them. Um, I did that for like nine months and we had shows. That I would go in the subway and find bands that I liked and I'd be like, yo, man, um, you, would you like to play at a venue? <laughs> like, which is this t-shirt shop. Uh, looking back at how I pulled off some of this stuff is like mind blowing to That's me. That's so funny. Um, but they would come, man. These bands would come and play and just, just fucking kill it, man. Like, I'm like, wow, these guys are really talented. Um, and we'd have that. And then we had some girl that made like these cupcakes. It was a bunch of different aspects and people would come out. This is after Sandy and um, people were coming out, like packing this place. Like, I have some pictures. In like, Sunset I got, Park. Yeah, man. Like you'd have to take like, there was no like, and like none of the trains were running because of Sandy. Um, so you had to take like three trains and walk like 10 blocks, bro. It was like out of the way. There was no like industry city over there. You know, like Sunset Park, we didn't have any like cool hipster shit like it does now. Yeah. Like it was just bomb tacos and you know, nothing there. Right. Um, so yeah. So, but people would come out, man, and like buy these shirts. I We didn't sell that much art, um, but we sold a shitload of t-shirts. Um, I did that for like nine months. Which, which I contextualize t-shirts as art because it, it's... If it's something that um, 
that also you put your energy into and your your creative thinking into. yeah no for sure i mean i went to show that uh, uh at uh todd kramer's gallery last night uh, uh ross kramer gallery um and they had a shirt there with the art and they had a coloring book too and i'm like that's smart because a lot of people can't afford the artwork a lot of, especially a lot of young kids that that come i saw a kid that was like 18 buying two of their coloring books that have mm-hmm. the artwork in them and they get to take something home more than just like a photo in their iPhone, you know? Yeah. And that was what I was trying to do is like, I would go to these Chelsea shows every week and all I would have is pictures in my phone because I couldn't afford the artwork. And I'm like, it kind of sucks. So I was like, what can I do that I can give, you know, I know someone could afford it, you know, a $25 shirt or whatever. We try to make it affordable. Right. Um, and yeah, and that was the thing is that I wanted people to go home. And then at the same time, it would advertise like what we were doing on the back, like really small. So people were, walk- I remember like one time I, I, um, I saw someone that I never, I didn't even know, like walking around with a shirt on. I'm like, oh fuck, this is so cool. Oh, that is yeah. an amazing experience. And this was like, right? I was in Miami. Like it was wild. Like I'm like, holy shit, someone has this shirt. Like I was going for, for art pause. I'm like, yeah. yeah, someone has a shirt on. Um, so yeah, so that was cool. So he did that. For like nine months, the first, and I was making like these paper flyers, like I was putting them everywhere, bro. Like I would go out like to like four in the morning, like posting these flyers, like didn't even make any sense. Like in front of Christie's, <laughs> in front of every gallery, like I like all night. I remember one night I was putting them out and there was like a bulldozer, like knocking some build, like building a building, you know, and I posted, I'm like, the only two people out at three in the morning are me and this bulldozer, and we're both building something again. You know, we're both building something for the future. Something cheesy like that. Yeah, it's like motiv- self motivating myself. You know? Yeah, for sure. With my at this point fifty followers now, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just grinding. And then I, I remember one time I was putting one in front of Christie's, and like Questlove was rolling up, I guess, to do the Tonight Show because mm-hmm. it's in the building across the street. And I gave him a flyer. He didn't come, but my ID thing is like, man, you who you never know where that flyer is going to end up. You know, yeah. like he's he never know. in his like dressing room or whatever. Um, so I was doing that and then putting the bands on the flyer. Like, that was my cell. I'll put you on my dope flyer, which I was making, like, on a copy machine and cutting into four pieces, like, super ghetto flyer. Oh, yeah. Like, looking back, I'm like, wow. Um, I wish I still had some. Uh, so I was doing that for, like, nine months. The first month I did that, I was um, walking in a, um, around, like, Fifth Avenue, and a cell phone was just ringing on the floor, and I picked it up. It was literally just a phone on the floor, and I picked it up, and... Uh, I was like, hello. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's my boyfriend's phone. He lost it. And I'm like, well, I'm at the corner of like 5th and 57th, you know, come and get it. And um, the guy was so excited. He's like, man, thank you so much. And he like reached into his back pocket, I guess, to give me like money or whatever, like a reward. And I'm like, oh, man, no, I'm about to have my first show. I don't think anyone's going to come because it's like in, you know, in uh, Sunset Park and, um, you, you know, nothing's going to, you know, no, like Sandy just happened, all this stuff. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a photographer. I'll come and shoot your show. Oh, my like God. a favor. It's just like a young kid. But, you know. So he did. He did that. He came out and he shot like my first four shows. We became friends and it was dope because then I could I made a Facebook and then you could show people like the band and like like wow. it was way better than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Like the bands were just like so fucking like I wish I kept in touch with some. Yeah. Just like mind blowingly good. Like, right. you know, they and, the brought, idea, like, and the idea that you captured it, too, because that's really key. A lot of yeah. people, I think, when they're really getting their start and like getting into that world, they don't. They forget, I guess now social media kind of changed it, but they forget the idea of like, oh, by the way, you want to have that thing that shows that it happened too. For sure, for sure. And I mean, that was dumb luck, but that was dumb luck. I mean, like, yeah, but still, yeah, it helped. Luck is, it helped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Opportunity, I guess, you know, like you you find it. Um, So then nine months later, that guy hit me up and he's like, oh, I'm going to have a photography show at this um, gallery in Bushwick that I rented. and uh, you should come through. You should meet the owner because he's not really doing anything with the space. He's just hanging the same art over and over. And you're doing these dope shows. 
in Sunset Park. Yeah. So maybe you guys could like hit it. You're you a know. little closer to humanity now. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, it was like off the J line. Um, yes. And uh, Arteries. I remember being like really tired that day, but I'm like, no, I got to go meet this dude. Um, it, was, it was super out of the way. I lived in like the Heights at the time. Um, and I went and I talked to that guy for like three hours and he gave me my first show and I ended up doing shows there every month for three years. That's amazing. And like on the second year, uh, I, I left my job and I was like, I'm just going to pursue this. At this point, I was going to Chelsea um, a lot. I was making a lot of connections. I was going like Basel. Like I made sure I would like see the like galleries that I knew. Uh, in New York, just show face, not even try to talk, just to be, uh, I don't know, just to stay, keep these connections alive. Yeah. Um, and then I started doing I shows. I will say that you are one of those individuals that can juggle so many balls in the air at the same time that it's amazing. It's actually quite a, a miracle to watch. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I don't even know how I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, so I I was doing that, and then um, it was weird. It's like you tell people you have a space. They don't even check. They're just like, oh, he has a space. People would introduce me differently now in Chelsea or wherever. Like, oh, this is Che. He has a space in Brooklyn. I'm like, no, not even never coming to any of my events or anything. It was so funny. Like, yeah. that was another thing I learned is, like, a lot of people don't, like, double check stuff. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, um, so I was doing these shows. We started – I did a show with this artist, Michael Murphy, uh, with this crazy installation of his daughter's eye was like uh we took like um it was i think i'm gonna say this wrong it was probably like 3400 little balls of wood hanging on strings and it looked like a 2d image but when you moved around it was it was all these balls you know got it oh yeah so those, we got a bunch of large ex experiential yeah type of he does a bunch of this uh, per, per, perceptual art is his uh, instagram perceptual art but he does like yeah like he has one in la right now where it's like a jordan shoe and then when you go to the right it's the jordan logo it's the Jumpman logo. Oh, is that at the that sneaker museum? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh, I was trying to I, check that out last time. Yeah, I, was out there. I had met him randomly at Brooklyn Bazaar back when the, it was the cooler one, not the new one. Now, no offense to the new one. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we met, and he was just doing like a lot of like TED Talk stuff. It would be like a TED Talk logo that turned into like a Target logo, mm. and I was like, man, there's got to be something you want to do. <laughs> Perfect. There's got to be something you want to do that's not brand related clearly you're making money so it's not a money issue yeah but the when you probably want to do something that's like an artistic thing yes. and i'm like i have this space he just moved here from like georgia so it's just good timing um i'm like i have this space let's do something together um and we did that and i helped him make it too so that was a cool experience like for like three months i i, mean, I remember at the opening i had like blisters on my fingers yeah that's another thing too about you is that i that i'm fascinated by is that you're willing to get in, get your hands dirty in order to facilitate um, someone else's vision that you trust. Yeah, I well, think that's it's a really beautiful thing. I think it's important. I think I, I, the more I, I get into this art world, you hear a lot of people just talking about or even creating these false narratives of what they think the artist is and or, or how they try to sell it and spin this story so they can put in this right thing. But I don't know. To me, as someone that used to create, I, I think it's very. No, you still create. Oh, you, you know don't, what I mean. Don't yeah, say okay. used to. Come on, bro. Come <laughs> um, on, bro. Don't do that. Thank you. Um, I think it's important that 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 honesty of what the person is making is, is represented. And how can I talk about that if I don't know? Um, so even with Steffi, who happens to be in the room right now, it's like learning about her and we're creating these models and like trying to learn as much as the process as possible because I haven't known her that long and she's in London. And we, yeah, it's great to be this technology that we could FaceTime and do phone calls, but. Being in person and hearing like how she thinks and relationship with her partner uh, Mark, uh, Mark Marcus and you know like all these ways of how they they team up and and you know come up with these ideas and concepts um, that's important to to have um, not just to be like oh let me see the artwork we're gonna hang it in this order right uh, no offense to the people that do that but like I wanted I want to create an experience and the only way I can create a full on immersive experience is to know 
how the artist thinks. So a lot of times I try to go in the studio with them and learn uh, a little well, more, even it, if it, it is means a learning creating, thing too. For sure, yeah. Yeah, it adds to your your toolkit as well as your abilities to speak to even more types for, of experience. For sure, yeah. And I think that started with, with, with Michael. I mean, it was nice of him to... You know, he taught me how to make these pieces, and it was a it was a lot of work. I mean, I we were, you know, it was like I said, like I think it was like thirty four hundred wooden balls that we sanded, hand drilled, you know, tied the string by hand. Then we had hang them like, but at the end, you had this beautiful thing that we had like press from CNN and juxtapose and all this mm. stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm able to get stuff out here. So try to find more of like stuff like that. And I did a I did a lot of shows out there, but a couple of them got like on like Huffington Post, a lot yeah. of juxtapose stuff. Um, so I was doing that. Um, and then this thing with the space is just that they were like renting it out for other things. And I love the owner. He's, he's a great guy, but he was just doing other stuff and he would tag the gallery. Like he'd be out like partying on like his motorbikes and then like tag the gallery. So then it, when you go to the Facebook, you'd have to go through 300 photos. He doesn't of, represent. Yeah. And it's like, him at the, yeah, it's like him at the club. And I'm like, dude, like, yeah, you're killing it. Um, you're so, killing it. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So um, while I was there, I started trying to do other things, and I um, I had met this artist uh, as Esmeralda, um, and we decided to do spring break with this other girl Amanda, and um, we did this crazy installation about and for the listener spring break the yes. art show. Yeah, it's like a DIY art show um, that was created, I believe, like nine years ago um, by here Aunt, in New York City. Here in New York City, but now in LA. LA will be its second year uh, coming up in February. Created by Amber and Andrew. Um, and they have this amazing thing where like you apply, they have a theme every year. This theme is, uh, in excess. Um, you apply, you make a presentation and if you're accepted, it's like, I think it's like a hundred dollar fee. They give you a free booth, which is insane because like a lot of fairs you pay, like, like a low end booth could be like 10 grand, Yeah, you know, and they actually have and there's pressure thing. to sell and, and there's pressure to sell. I mean, obviously, you know, you want to sell, but the, yeah, the pressure's not there. Um, you pay like a deposit to get back if you don't damage. Um, and, um, you get this space, but they have all the people, the same people that come through like Armory or Basel yeah. come to this fair, you know, like you get press, you get, yeah. um, you know, Raised museums, people. galleries, yeah. bu buyers come through. They do a really great job. Uh, and, you know, and Amber and Andrew are great at champion, champion people, like and getting them out there and, and, you know, bringing the right people to your booth if they believe in you. Um, so we did that. And um, it was this uh, piece about like language and, and texting and how that's changed, how the thumb has replaced the mouth. Mm. Um, and, and Esmeralda made these cast uh, sculptures of uh, as a play off this Bruce Nauman piece about 50 pairs of hands where he had casted people in the way they like they talk with their hands and they're animated he, she had casted people in the way they hold their cell phones but removed the cell phone and everyone text has a different texting style yeah. some people have one thumb some people have like two um, and we had like 15 of those and then we had like all these like uh, sound pieces were like a, a word would go through uh, the top nine languages of Google Translate. So you'd say like truth and then it would go through like English from Chinese, then back to English, then mm. to Spanish, then back to English, then to like, so we had all these things. And every time someone came up, I had to like explain all that. And, you know, so a lot of people would just, did, you know, they were like, so like all day from like, you they know, don't eight hours. They don't have the mental yeah, for, bandwidth. Yeah, for eight hours. Yeah, there's an artist that I'm trying to do Spring Break LA with and he just changed his idea and he's like, this is a lot smarter. But I'm like, yeah, but for this kind of scenario, I think it's better to have something that you don't have to explain as much. Yeah. Um, so can we t can we talk about that just for a little bit? Because through Abstract, we work with so many massive artists um, who uh, who I think also like have big impact. And also um, it, it involves a lot of big thinking. How do you manage uh, personalities in that space? And also like what's what's your what's your emotional toolkit that you utilize in order to speak someone's language, help help 
bring an, an idea to life and also manage expectations because I think that's that's really important um, within this world and also just for your own sanity, right? Yeah, yeah, that's tough. I'm still learning that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think mean, we all are. Everybody's so different. I think it goes back earlier when I was saying about cutting off people that are negative and people that aren't positive and I just and now I try not to work. Sometimes you can't. Like sometimes with the abstract stuff, it's branded stuff. So yeah, I have to do what I have to do. When um, it comes to branded stuff, how do you, you, how are you managing that now? Because I know that, uh, you know, we talked about truth within art, and also, yeah. um, you know, having some sort of like authority plus validity when it comes to that space. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, maintain some element of truth and authenticity when you know you are getting brand dollars, which I'm I'm not ashamed of because I do represent a brand myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, like how how do you manage those? I mean, it's a different world. I mean, it's not obviously there's not as much freedom, and you know, there's like uh, so many cooks in the kitchen, and yeah. you know, there's different opinions. There's opinions from people you'll never meet. Um, you only meet them through email, or you're oh, yeah. getting the, the the fourth person down from them. Um, and I've learned that now. I, I ran into someone uh, on the subway the other day from Nike, and we were talking about that. How, how how much I've changed in that world because it's just kind of have to go with the flow, yeah. you know, depending in and kind of have to pick and choose your 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 battles because you're not only trying to win that account or that idea, but you don't want to burn the bridge, yeah, and not and because then you're gonna be that person that's hard to work with, you know. Oh, that's so you kind of have to find the balance and see like what is it that they're trying to achieve and what's the goal that they're trying to achieve and how can we meet in the middle ground. Um, you know, but sometimes you sacrifice for the greater good because you don't also want to water it down. Um, so sometimes you just find a different way to go, you know. Can you speak a little bit about times in your in your career where you've had a really challenging artist or brand experience and you've had to come out of that? Uh, we wanted to do something years ago, like around like voguing and people oh, in yeah. this brand were like, oh, that's such a niche thing. And, right. you know, oh, but Pose is so big. This, yeah, but this was like two years ago. Oh, pre-post. But yeah, so when we made a video of like all the things. Pre-ballroom, the rise, the re-rise of ballroom culture. Yeah, yeah, and that didn't that didn't pull through. They sure. didn't want to do that, and you look back now, and you know. And uh, you're like, wow, everyone's everyone's in that space. Yeah. Now. I remember at uh, at Villain, Vice was they threw for one of their horoscope parties. It was a it was a ballroom party, and I had a I had a ball. I loved it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Like, I mean, it was awesome. The things that they were gonna do. Uh, they were half meeting us, but just some. It's hard to say without. Yeah. Yeah, without a. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear but um, yeah, I mean that that happens, and you know, you look at some of the stuff they say or some of the comments they say, and you're like, wow, these people, you know, not. They just don't know. They're not here, you know. They're not in the thing, and uh, so yeah. Can you speak a little bit about an experience where you got more than you asked for, or or where a brand was like, oh, like they they gave you, um, a better idea, and actually it enriched authenticity. Never happened. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> nope. No, no, no brands no, no. have ever done. I mean, that. that's why they're hiring people like me, and you like they're hiring creatives to come in and create. Most of these people are good at the other things, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So that's why they're kind of like hands off. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Um, Not quite yet. Yeah, it'll happen one day. I've had. Sure. I've had stuff for like uh, you know they were really good in like giving uh, more than what I needed in the sense of like supplies or, or you know. We did this like basketball court thing for Adidas. Oh yeah! Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah it was that for great. like Kansas University, and like they wanted us to do it at the school. And I'm like, there's no way we could paint this in front of people. You know, we need an offsite thing, and they rented us this whole giant warehouse and mm. um, like, everything we needed. They gave us like I wanted vinyl. I'm like, instead of ordering the vinyl, can we just get the machine? They bought the machine. Like it was insane. They're like, you can keep the machine. I'm like, you need a projector. You can have the projector. Like it was just insane. Like, and then um, there was a hurricane, and none of this stuff came on time. Oh. 
So we were supposed Damn. to be there Saturday to Saturday and to paint this whole basketball court. Mm -hmm. And the stuff got there Thursday and it was due Saturday. So how did you get out we of that? Stayed, I didn't. <laughs> they uh, were like, you could cancel if you want. Uh, we totally understand. We're, you know, it's not your fault. And I'm like, dude, this is like a huge opportunity. I have to do this. So yeah. it's just 18 hour, 19 hour days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You bang it out. You know, you make it happen. Um, uh, yeah. I think there's, you know, I, I always have this. I always have this joke. If there's a will, there's a Che. <laughs> um, oh man that's yeah, so perfect you know, you know you don't uh yeah you make it happen you know um you get people that are good and you know um yeah because you're doing a lot of physical labor because even when uh when after i first met you initially and then uh, uh chantel martin uh took over the lincoln center yeah and you were telling me about the physical elements of like you know, putting that whole, you know, yeah. experience together. It's which funny, I, I couldn't even, I, the first day I, I, I got in there, I couldn't even, because it's a, they have a union, which is another first time experiencing working oh, with that. Oh, yes. I couldn't work because they were like, oh, you said seven people and you're the eighth person. So I got yelled at. So I actually couldn't work after the first oh, day. Oh, man, union stuff is serious. It's super intense. but yeah, uh, yeah, will, she's, You will get canceled. <laughs> yeah, she's an amazing person too. It's just... Um, I saw her speak at uh, Adobe Max. Oh, yeah, I heard that speech was ago. amazing. Oh, my God. she And she it, opened yeah. and she was great. Yeah, she's and, amazing. And she was so put together. Uh, I think it was for my for me the best interviews or the best keynote that I saw on the Tuesday presentation were Chantel's and also M Night Shyamalan because oh. he had so much insight into his process as well as he's one of those dense um, information uh, downloaders. So he's just giving you so much stuff um, over the course of twenty minutes. You feel like you've heard him for forty minutes. You know? Really? Wow. Yeah. I got to hear that one. Yeah, Chantel's like another one like Kanye where you feel like you can make anything out of nothing, you know, like I right. mean, she came also from, you know, background that wasn't, you know, wealthy or, or you know, uh, you know, this fancy thing. And she's really created her own, her own persona, her own world, her own, her own lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's super inspired. Someone that's clearly like changed the path of my life and continues to, to this, you know, to this day, I consider her a friend and you know, she's a great person. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, the brand stuff is, is different. You like you take it with a grain of salt and you try to kind of learn. I'm still like navigating that space. And so it's kind of something I like organically fell into. Um, and I, I love it. And it's getting bigger, you know, the work I'm getting. But yeah, I'm still, you know, I feel like uh, I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, push too hard sometimes, you know, <laughs> like I'm like, I'm happy to be here. Right. What do you need me to do? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where well, the art world's a little different. Like I, I feel like I've earned that, and now I want to. Now I have enough on in my uh, portfolio to be like, okay, I want to challenge and push, yeah. and who's willing to challenge with me? And you know, I'm blessed to have people like Steffi and other like other artists like John and you know other people that I've worked with, um, that are excited to to do those things. And I always, every time I work with artists, I try to find like. What's the one thing you haven't? I remember Steph, I asked her in the beginning, like, what's some ideas that maybe you had that you never got to execute yet? You know, are there are there anything like that that we can kind of add? Because um, I think it's important that uh, someone's always pushing, you know, the envelope to go to the next thing. Yeah. Um, Mindy Solomon Gallery, who's working with us with this show, um, had reached out to me about wanting to do spring break, and um, I was just helping her to like apply. The spring break here in yeah, LA. New York, New York. Okay, the yeah, New York she, one. she's a um, Miami gallery. Um, uh, yeah, and then originally I was just helping her to apply, and then I saw you know Super Future Kids work, and I was like, I don't know what in the world I would do with this. You know, like I don't know. It's so cool, but it's not normally. I see something and right away I relate to it. You know. Right. And um, that's what I related to in the sense is not relating to it. And I was excited to 
take on a challenge. And I, I find myself now, if I'm, if it doesn't scare the shit out of me, I don't want to do it. Um, because it's like, if you're comfortable doing something, then you've already surpassed that moment and that level. Yeah. And you're not going to grow. You need to do stuff that pushes you and makes you uncomfortable. makes you uneasy. This podcast it made me uneasy. Like, I don't <laughs> want to come out. Even though I love talking and I can't shut yeah. up. It's like, like I you know. and I have talked like for hours. Yeah. You know, like, and like, that's what Stephanie's like, you can talk all the time. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you'd be perfect for this. I, I don't have to do any work. Yeah. I know. <laughs> can't shut up. It's going to be like a four hour. <laughs> and on part three. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it's like a ken burns doctor um, <laughs> it's like a, the bander brothers yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah um yeah but at the same time you know uh you i don't know you overthink things um yeah but yeah but i've learned that now and you know it's like with the adidas thing it's like you it's like uh make or break you know you got to do even with the ballet like the first day like i had talked to them about the union i'm like oh, most of my team is chinese and they don't speak english um except for the head guy. And if they can't, if the one guy is English speaking, one guy's Chinese speaking and they can't communicate simple things like up and down. Yeah. Once you put that vinyl down, it's stuck and you know, you just lost forever. Yeah. You've lost the three grand for that piece or whatever, you know, whatever it is, this is a 150 foot vinyl. Um, and they're like, Oh, don't worry. We don't, you don't need, you know, we're going to do, you know, don't worry. We don't, we'll leave them off. You make sense with what, what you said. And then the day we get there, they're like, okay, here's the, you know, seven union guys you need and you have to use them. And they're very aggressive, you know, about having to use them. Um, so the first day the, the vinyl was way off. Like, Ugh. And we had to like peel it. Luckily, it's like this floor vinyl that you could kind of peel off. You could peel off, and just so like the we were there for like maybe eight hours. The last two hours, all year is like like this like ripping of the vinyl and just oh fail. Just the sound of failure, you know, like totally. And, uh, <laughs> but then and how did how you overcome the union part of it? Because you have to if you have to well, yeah, redo yeah, it. No, with- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So we're like somebody like didn't notice that like it was like a little centimeter off, and as you keep going, that centimeter becomes a foot. Uh, so we had to tear all the sheets off. So that's how the day ended. And I, this is the first time me meeting a lot of the higher up people. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the, the sound that this vinyl made in that hall, like the echo, was just so loud. And it was literally the sound of failure. And I was just like, I remember going home going like, this is it. Like, no one's ever going to hire me again because this is like Lincoln Center, you know. So how can I approach this? And I just went and I literally met every, you know, like I just chatted with them. And I'm like, hey, man, this is, you know, this is a big opportunity for me. And I know you guys work here and this is your job. And you know, go through, but for me, I'm not some, you know, I'm not some, you know, big time person or anything. This is something that I've organically, I told them my story. I shared yeah. my story and I'm like, um, you know, I'm here to help. Sadly, I can't, I would be hands on here, but you've heard your foreman. I can't even help, you know, like, so just kind of relating and hearing every person's story and, uh, you know, hanging out with them more and then connect because they couldn't, the workers couldn't talk or, or, or relate, um, because they couldn't communicate, you know, through language. Right. Um, so just kind of being there, being that buffer. If I saw an issue, making a joke or jumping in or whatever, yeah. uh, being more hands-on. That's um, amazing. And by the end, we were great. I mean, I remember the guy that I was fighting with um, you know, the first day. We were, like, taking pictures and hugging. And, like, <laughs> and I kind of missed him. I'm like, oh, man. It's, you know, it's that ironic thing where, you're like, you're all having a good time, but it's, like, now at the end. You know, like, it's, yeah. like, it's like, okay, we all became friends the last day. Um, you were in the war zone together. I was in the war zone, yeah. So from that and then the thing in Kansas, I started learning that, like, when things go wrong, instead of being like sad, uh, like, oh, um, you know, oh, why isn't it this way? I go, oh, this is how it was supposed to be. I, it was supposed to be this way all along. This is so, how it was supposed yeah, to so be. Yeah, so if I'm supposed to paint this room red and like the only color I have is orange or whatever, like maybe that's not, but like let's find a way to adapt. Maybe we can add dye or maybe we can have, maybe there's something we can do or maybe we could just change it. Like instead of crying over what we don't have, how can we, how can we adapt to it? Um, because sometimes you don't have... Sometimes you're in, a, you know, a warehouse two hours away, you know, in, in Missouri, two hours away from the nearest Home Depot. 
and this is what you have. Yeah, so this like, is what you have. This is how much red you have left. So how can we make it work? Um, and, you know, you, you, you do that. I think once you do that, you a lot gets done, you know. Uh, sometimes it ends up becoming better then because it's like a happy accident, right. you know. It's like, oh, Because of the problem solving. Because of the problem solving. And you're like, oh, I was going to use this material the whole time. We didn't have that. We ended up using this. Holy, oh, wow, that worked. actually ended up working out better, Yeah. you know. Um, and I think you have to embrace that because if you waste so much energy on, like, what you, if you literally can't change it, then what's the point of crying about it? You got to get into the solution now, yeah. you know. And I think that's something I learned really hard this year. Um, that's all interesting. Yeah. Um, so as we're winding down, this has been a great conversation. I we need to do this again. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. No, I love chatting you. with you. Um, also, I'm still I'm still trying to um, you know figure out the whole Miami Art Basel situation so we can just rage out there. Yeah, you gotta come. I know, I know, come. I know. You gotta come. You gotta come. Um, so I would love to know a couple of things. Like, what is upcoming for you? What's upcoming for Abstract? Um, I know we have Super Feature Kid up in here. I don't know if you want to jump on the mic too. I know you guys are working uh, together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, but if you talk a little bit but about. She has a great show at Kith right now. Oh, yes, guess, for yeah. the listeners. Oh, this will come out like way after. How long oh, okay. is that going to be out for? How long is it going to be? December 4th? Oh, damn. Well, for those of you that have yeah. time machines. Uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that'll be amazing to check out. And are you in town just for that? Oh, well, cool. Well, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is upcoming for Abstract? What's upcoming for you? And also, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I'm doing a, curating a show, my first Chelsea show, which is a big deal for me, the artist Azikwe Muhammad at Anna Zarina Gallery, and that's January 16th. Um, and then I think my next show in New York is with, is with Super Future Kid, which would be the first weekend of March. I oh, there we believe. go. We can promote that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First weekend of March. At spring break, yeah. I don't know the dates exactly, but it's usually the first weekend of March. Or just look up spring break art okay. show, uh, dot com. I'm, I'm kind of going blank on the dates. Yeah, no worries. Um, for abstract, that's tough because it's a lot of NDA stuff I can't really Got say. It. But I am taking over. Um, I, I've been getting more into the vinyl business and like printing business as just per projects I have. I have a partner um, in Chinatown. Uh, that does a lot of stuff and i've bought him a lot most of his business is is chinese oriented um and i've bought him a lot of uh, business in new york uh, galleries uh, the ballet um, governor's island we did recently oh yeah um, oh for chantel's chapel yeah the shepherd fairy thing we we did um a bunch of stuff so i'm um, i'm gonna be taking over that he's um moving to china to expand and do that so i'll be taking over that are you are you absorbing a business right now kind of yeah oh my god <laughs> so Yo, i'll be saying yeah. you are like such a <laughs> entrepreneur bro yeah so we'll be taking adding that to my website and then just different your things. portfolio to your business offer yeah it's more like passive income because i'm not really doing the work i'm getting the work and then the guys are installing and doing it but anything from like printing flags so like he just showed me some flags he printed for the un yesterday so like vinyl backgrounds so well, you just, just said the key you said passive income that's the key yeah 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 <laughs> um so yeah like to this stuff i think this is vinyl behind you um just anything that you see yeah like yeah so like just stuff like that um because I have a lot of friends that need that, and just a lot of businesses I know that need that, and I've kind of been doing science silently, um, so making that more public in 2020. Yep. Um, yeah, and then just a bunch of random stuff I can't really actually talk about. Um, nope. Yeah, and then uh, I have a gallery show in Miami with Nadia Wahid uh, for next Basel, so like a year out for that. Nope. Uh, you're working on a show with John Key, but no set set date. Gotcha. There. Yeah. Shout out to John. Sounds amazing. I love John. Um, yeah, you know. Shout out to Marcos Key, holding it down. Yeah, they're amazing. They're like, yeah. oh yeah, those, crazy. those they have two. A, they, have a, they had a book come out, I think, recently. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, like all their all their work. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Wanderless Flaneur. Um, 
Uh, my website is abstract.world. It's A B S T R K T dot world. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, not much out there in the sense of contacting. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Bill Murray, just gotta know. Yeah, you just gotta know. I mean, I'm out there. No, yeah, no, you are uh, out there. Yeah, you're actually find, very out there. Yeah, you'll find me. Uh, Word. Che, this is so dope. Thanks for coming through, man. I love this conversation and I appreciate you. Awesome. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. So there we go. Another episode in the book. Shout out to Che for coming through the studio. Uh, but that said, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us and drop a review. It helps spread the good word. Go to firstgenburden.com for all the episodes. On Instagram, we're at firstgenburden. You can find me or host at rich underscore tu. Again, thank you to Listening Party and Canal Street Market. Follow them at, at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Make sure you check out my other two podcasts, Beige to Brown. That's Beige numeral two Brown, where color meets pop culture. And Sneaker Wars Talk Back, a behind the scenes look at MTV's Sneaker Wars, currently streaming on MTV Wild and Out's YouTube channel. Thanks to Desjin team for their support. Thank you for checking out season five of First Gen Burden. Come back next week, dropping every Monday. Be safe, everyone. Bye.